Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to God's Planning. I am Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic at the Dominican House of Studies, and I am joined by Father Bonaventure Chapman. Say hi, Father Bonaventure. Hi, also at the Dominican House of Studies. Yep, he's here too. Uh, we're not in the same room because we don't have a mixer for our mics, but we're both in the same building. So uh, Correct. we're looking at each other across a screen, except Father Bonaventure probably can't see me all that clearly because he had an eye exam or something. So his pupils are super dilated. and uh, Super dilated. It looked like one of those weird anime things. Um, and <laughs> also, it's it's funny how everyone knows how textual we are as, as humans, you know, especially as Dominicans, I could say, or students. Because you get your eyes dilated and you can't you can't read words. You can't read any yeah. text. It's weird. Um, and then you think, well, what am I going to do? And like, I can't study. Okay, I can't read something. That's fine. I think, oh, I'll go to the chapel and I'll pray. Um, and then you're like, oh, it's time for you know midday prayer. And you're like, I can't read the Psalms. Like nothing. You're just left there in your, you know, wallowing in your inability to relate to the world and its grandeur, the dappled thing, whatever. Okay, yeah. But what you can do with uh, with dilated pupils is just drive home from the eye doctor because I always do that. And it's always. I also I also did that, and uh, it was it was tricky. Um, I no one saw the guy, but I mean, you know, it'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Uh, Father Bonaventure is is working on his doctorate over at CUA. How are things there? What's what's new? Let's Anything go. new? No, we're uh, halfway through the semester. I've got comprehensive exams, reading exams, so reading through ancient medieval uh, texts and being able to uh, write for six hours on those, uh, and then learning French um, to pass that exam. So learning French like a code. Uh, I don't know if I even pronounce. I don't even pronounce any of it, um, but uh, but I can read it. So that's good to go. It looks like a beautiful language. Uh, it doesn't sound beautiful to me when I pronounce those words in my own mind. It sounds really yeah. bizarre. Um, I, I kind of pronounce it like German, I guess. Uh, but it does look beautiful. So I appreciate pronounce, that aspect of it. You pronounce your Spanish like German too. I think, I mean, everyone, I assume everyone has like their first language that they learn, the second language that they learn is becomes like the default pronunciation mm -hmm. for, because your brain has like regular language and then secondary and then foreign languages. And that's like a setting for me. And then within that setting, you change around, but you're still, the default foreign language setting is German. So even when I was learning Spanish, um, when I was trying to come up with something to say, I was always saying, yeah, und, uh, ich, so weiter, like in the middle of Spanish. It's bizarre. Yeah, that's normal. Well, yeah. lest, lest y'all think that we're going to talk about languages and our inability to, to pronounce them on this episode, uh, we're not, but that was, that was interesting all the same. So today we're going to talk welcome. about, yep. A little insight into, into our Dominican conversation. Always interesting. Uh, oh, secrets. Mm -hmm. Today we're going to talk about uh, about an aspect of prayer, about praying the breviary, um, what the breviary is, uh, why it's prayed, how it's prayed, how you could perhaps pray the breviary in your own spiritual life, pray the divine office, uh, those sorts of things. So as I guess part of, uh, perhaps I, I receive questions more about the breviary than, I don't know, uh, from other people than maybe you do father bonaventure but as a vocation director mm. one of the things that i encourage men when they're when they're pretty serious or, or thinking about religious life is to pick up the breviary um begin even if it's an abbreviated form or through like an app because the breviary can be hard to maneuver through when you're learning especially on your own but oh, yeah. i i it's not uncommon for me to suggest that to men or for men to uh to ask about praying the breviary um so we thought why not 
why not chat about it? Why not talk about it a little bit? Kind of introduce you all if you haven't been to the breviary and uh, to to this to this prayer of, of the church, really. So, um, yeah, Father Bonaventure, I guess get us caught up. What is when I say breviary? What when we talk about that? What that's what right. That? Maybe just defining the term is well, helpful to start. Yeah. Um, so it's like three. I think there's three terms that are related here. So breviary, um, divine office, and the liturgy of the hours. And I they're all you know, they, they, they exist because they're different, but they have, there's, they're referring to the similar thing. Um, and I, you know, the breviary, actually, I don't know why it's called, uh, do you know why it's called a breviary? I don't either. Yeah. It's no. a shame. Look it up. This is one of those things like right now you can search on your phone as you're driving, listen to pot, you know, you can uh, look this up, but anyway, but the, the breviary is breviary tends for the, the books. Um, and the divine office or the liturgy of the hours is what they're about. And it's a collection of prayers particularly all centered on the largely the Psalms. So the 150 Psalms. So the Psalter, it's how the Psalter is prayed throughout the day. So that's why maybe the liturgy of the hours is the best, is the most apparent uh, way of thinking about the breviary is that it's, it's the liturgy, the prayer of the church throughout the individual special hours of the day, not like a couple hours or whatever, but specific kind of punct time punctuation. St. Paul talks about praying without ceasing and that's impossible. Um, but you can at least pray a lot. And that's what the breviary kind of does. It chops up the day into particular time periods, chunks, and you pray specific Psalms at specific points of that. So breviary is the way to pray the Psalms with a lot of other prayers and other things. Um, and it's throughout the day at the various hours. Um, and you can pray more or less, uh, hours as you go, but we'll, let's, I suppose we should probably dig into that a little more, explain about these hours a bit. Do you want to take take those hours? Yeah. yeah. So if if we kind of look at a rough, I mean, super rough historical kind of setting of this, the breviary, as Father Bonaventure was explaining, um, came into existence by by the desire, through the desire to to follow that command of St. Paul to pray without ceasing. So as as religious life and clerical life began to develop in the church, they over over time and over centuries, and, and what we have now for the breviary, for the books and the way in which we pray are, has changed throughout the centuries too. But um, what eventually came together is that the prayers of the clerics, of priests, bishops, and of the monks were centered around the, the 150 Psalms. And this, this sort of uh, continued recitation of the Psalms. So in, in its sort of older form and in its traditional form, um, over the course of a week, the 150 Psalms would be prayed um, over the course of one week, along with other canticles and other prayers and these sorts of things. But as Father Bonaventure said, the backbone of the breviary of the Liturgy of the Hours is the 150 Psalms. Um, and that's called the Psalter. So you'd have a one-week Psalter. So over one week, you'd pray all the Psalms. And again, at, and then again at... Uh, uh, you, at the next week, you'd start over. Currently, uh, we pray a four-week Psalter. So it's the 150 Psalms plus other prayers, canticles from the Old Testament, the New Testament readings over a period of four weeks. And every four weeks, it starts over and over again. So if you can imagine in your mind how monks or religious come into the chapel to pray and to chant, throughout the day and then go back out to work and come back in, they're praying the liturgy of the hours. And as Father Bonaventure said, the hours uh, sort of, again, it's not like you're praying four hours, but you're praying at particular hours of the day so that the whole day was sanctified. So 
currently in the current breviary, there are five hours that people that, that are generally prayed. There are two hours that we won't talk about that can break up the middle of the day, but uh, at least as in our communities, we don't pray them. We pray the five hours. So we have the, the older, the Latin names, lauds, which is morning prayer. Um, in lauds, we pray here at the House of Studies at 7 a.m. It's the first thing we do as a community. And then we have sext or midday prayer that we pray at noon at midday, uh, obviously. Uh, Vespers or evening prayer, we pray at 5.30. And then Compline is at 9 p.m., which ends the day. There's that fifth hour, which is called Matins or Office of Readings that we combine in the evening with Vespers. So in the evening, we pray Vespers and Matins together. So just breaking that down, you can see how our day, we're in the chapel at these times. And then, of course, we have Rosary Mass and our you know, other prayer, our private prayer. But this gives shape to the day of the priest and of the religious and has, of, as I said, in different ways, but has in a regular kind of consistent way throughout really the course of religious life. And just to know, I said priests and religious, as priests and as religious and men and women religious, we're bound to pray the liturgy of the hours. That's part of our, um, I was going to say promise, but that sounds kind of weird, but that's part of our vocation is really what it is to pray. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, yeah, and, um, so and that's, and that we do that because uh, God needs to be praised, um, that he, he wants praise. Um, he's the greatest thing in the, if, if thing is the even that word. Uh, in the universe, all things are from him, all things go back to him, and our praise and our, our worship is, is what is the most fitting thing to be done. So why we have this obligation, it's our work, the liturgy, the liturgia, is to, to praise God. And, the, and how do we praise God? We praise him through the words that he's given us. That's why the Psalter is the backbone, those, the 150 Psalms, that these are the words that he said, basically, here's how, here's how I would praise myself in this way. Here's how I would offer worship. And so they give shape to that. Um, you also see, interesting enough, in the popular devotions of people, uh, kind of low-grade breviary for liturgy of the hour forms. So, for instance, there's 150 psalms, and you think, well, that sounds 150 sounds familiar because that's the number of uh, beats in the rosary, of course, because the rosary was, in a sense, a simple breviary. It was started as as something so that those who couldn't read or couldn't read couldn't read Latin or couldn't be with the monks, this was their form of praying the 150 psalms were these little were these little beats. That's part of the rosary's development. Yeah. Also, the Angelus, for instance, you might have a practice of saying the Angelus at, at, at six in the morning, at noon, at six in the evening. These, again, stopping what you're doing uh, and sanctifying the day with the Angelus. That's another form of continuing to break up the day at specific points and redirect oneself to the worship of God. Um, and that's what the breviary is supposed to do in a more intense form, you could say, in more continuous form uh, throughout, throughout the day. It also, interestingly enough, um, just as we have a liturgical cycle, so we have a, throughout the year, we have this beautiful cycle of, of liturgical time, of Advent, a season of Advent and preparing for Christ's coming, then Christmas, and then ordinary time, and then Lent, and then praying for Christ's cross and resurrection, and then moving on through Easter and the Pentecost season, so that each year has this cycle to it. And the way there's the natural seasons, there's the liturgical seasons. The breviary uh, and the divine office has its own like liturgical season fitted in one day. So, for instance, evening prayer, the prayer that we offer at, at 530 here, sometime at, and, and around the evening, when the sun is going down, this is a, the office that's dedicated to the cross, to the passion. It's to remind us about, about Christ's passion, and the, the readings are attentive to that, and the, psalm, and the canticle, which is the song, song choices. And then the morning, when we wake up, 
uh, we're to be attentive to the resurrection. So it's this kind of cycle of the whole liturgical year in each day in its own little parts. So you have like wheels upon wheels, you know, with, with liturgy so that you're sanctifying your day within the year, within your life, uh, and then you die. Yes, that's right. Then you die. Um, Correct. Not how I, okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, so the, Father Bonaventure mentioned a couple of times the word liturgy, and I'm sure that most of you who are listening are familiar with that word. But I think what is often missed is that, or when we think of the liturgy, that what we, what we immediately think of is the Mass and what's going on during the celebration of the Mass. But it's, it's important to recognize that the Mass, in one sense, is the fullness of the liturgy. It's the height of our worship of God, but it's not, it's not, the Mass isn't complete in, a, in, its, uh, in filling out the liturgical life of the church. In fact, it's, it's the Mass and the Divine Office that is the full liturgy of, of the church. I don't, I don't mean that the Mass is not complete and that like the sacrifice of the Mass is lacking, but when we look at what is the liturgy of, of the church, it is the Mass and the Divine Office. And the way in which Father Bonaventure was just describing the, the, the daily cycle uh, of the liturgy, starting with the resurrection, going to the crucifixion um, at night at Compline. Compline, there are a number of prayers praying for a peaceful death and these sorts of things. The end of our, the end of our own life. Um, that you have that in the day, and then you have the way in which the liturgy changes throughout the liturgical seasons of Advent and Christmas, Lent, Easter, ordinary time. But it also mirrors uh, the Mass in the same way the Mass changes uh, or is mm -hmm. uh, adjusted for the seasons. Um, so when we think about the liturgy of the church, it's important to, to recognize that the liturgy of the church is not just something that happens on Sunday after Sunday mornings or Saturday evenings, whenever you go, whenever mm -hmm. you go to mass, it's not just something that happens an hour a week, but in fact, it happens over many, many hours throughout the week continuously. And I think there's a great beauty there. Um, because if, if think about it in this way, if we pray here, uh, if people are praying morning prayer, if people are are praying lauds, clerics, religious, and, and the laity throughout the world at in the morning, then in a way, morning prayer, every day the resurrection is being remembered and being praised almost throughout, you know, as through the time zones, throughout the whole world, sort of on mm -hmm. a continual rotating basis. It mirrors the heavenly liturgy. It mirrors the, the liturgy, the unceasing liturgy of heaven. Now, of course, ours is lax in comparison in dramatic ways to the liturgy and to the worship of God in heaven, but it is a foretaste. It is this sort of desire, as Father Bonaventure says, to, to, um, to pray unceasingly. We can't do that ourselves. We can offer our whole days and these sorts of things, but I can't pray morning prayer 24-7, but the church can together. Uh, and I think there's a real beauty and a solidarity in that. And even for those who don't pray the breviary to know that the relig that religious and, and clerics offer that prayer for their own salvation, but really for the salvation of the world. We do it as a work of the church for others. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's kind of beautiful. No, it is. It is. And I've always I've always thought you were angelic or cherubic uh, just as a person. But now I've added even Thank new you. dimensions to that because you're like the angel praising God at his throne and revelations talking about and raising incense up to him. Um, and, uh, and now I can, I can see that more, uh, you, you've mediated beautiful. to, yeah, mm -hmm. you you have that, yeah, that angelic that presence and prayer. Yeah. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Right. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And no one, you know, people, people don't often comment people on don't that, have, so Yeah. I'm, people don't appreciate your, your angelic splendor. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, we're going to talk about praying the breviary, um, how, why, and perhaps some tips for picking it up or continuing it if you're, if you're so interested. So sit tight and we'll be back in just a minute. 
This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. Welcome back to God's Planning in this episode uh, on praying the breviary, on entering more fully into the church's liturgical celebration and liturgical worship of God. So at uh, the, the first half of the episode, Father Bonaventure and I were we're talking in a sort of cursory way about the sort of history and the setting of praying the breviary in 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 the church. One thing that we didn't say that perhaps you know I think worth is is worth noting is that um, in praying the Psalms, why the Psalms? Um, why does the church pick up the 150 Psalms as as the the sort of backbone and rhythm of the church's prayer? Um, I, you know, well if we look at what Christ prayed. If we're imitating Christ, Christ as um, a Jewish man would have also prayed the Psalms. These and as they have been handed down through the generations um, in in Jewish and Israelite tradition. Um, so it's not as if the breviary is something that I mean. It's certainly a Christian uh, way of praying, but it's not. A, it, it's rooted in things that are more ancient and things that you know trace directly back to directly back to Christ. And the so, psalms are, this, and the psalms are written as this collection of inspired prayers in a way. Um, you know, everyone has their favorite prayers of particular saints and, and that are given. So we have, and, and part of the beauty of the Catholic Church is you have this great treasury of of prayers of the saints, so that you know what to pray or you have a way to go. You don't have to spontaneously come up with something in your own in your own tongue, but you can make someone else's prayer yours, who is a better prayer than you. Um, and the psalms are that poetic prayer text that have been brought out through all of the the ups and downs of the people of God. You know, there I mean, we'll talk about the different kinds of psalms there are uh, that, that are seen throughout the day and throughout the week in the breviary and that can express your own movements. I mean, uh, Romans 8.26, the, we do not know how we, are, we ought to pray, but the spirit groans within us. And in a way, the psalms are that spirit speaking and groaning with us, giving us the words to speak to pray because they're the words that were inspired by, by the psalmists and those collected together. And the Jewish people have prayed for a long time. And the Christians, of course, same God. So we, we, we pray those as well. It'd be strange to like pray one of Paul's epistles, you know, as a, in a, in a, it's a letter, you know, his, his, his epistles and things, or even the gospels to, to, to chant them or something. But the Psalms are a text that's entirely devoted to prayer and chanting in that way. Yeah, the, that that sort of approach, um, I think, well, it is true. But I also think that it's it's an it's an important um, disposition and habit, I guess, perhaps disposition to develop in our spiritual life. Um, we often kind of get bogged down by um, by I guess ourselves in prayer. We kind of it's easy to to sort of default to think solely about me, about what's going on in my life, about the things I want to thank God for, about my current state about my problems about the good thing you know it's easy to get bogged down in in me but what the psalms do is is sort of pause us there and say hold on there's there is a universal liturgy there's a heavenly liturgy and then there's a universal liturgy of the church into which we are welcomed and and into which we're called to participate in that is you know mirrors and is a foretaste of the heavenly liturgy but also that 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 liturgy the worship of god is bigger than any one person this prayer the prayer of the church the liturgy the mass and the divine office the breviary doesn't belong to just me or to just father bonaventure or to just our dominican community here or just you know whatever um 
it, it is the church's prayer because it is, you know, the Psalms were Christ's prayer and it's, it's, we enter into something that's, that's bigger than us. And there's a beauty there and a freedom, not in the sense that, you know, my, my concerns, my worries, my fears, my joys, all these sort of things don't matter, but in the sense that, uh, I, I am, I can be, and should be shaped by the church's liturgy and the church's, um, the church's approach to worship God very easy example here um you know that we have penitential seasons in the church um during the church's liturgical year lent of course and then advent as well and it's during these times that we ought to do penance and prepare for the coming feast days for the coming celebrations and that ought to shape the way in which we live uh the way in which we live our lives same thing with the breviary you know same thing with morning prayer to think of the resurrection to have the resurrection shape the day and the crucifixion at the end of the day sort of lead us into the evening it's there's a beautiful um realness to sort of entering into something that is that is more than me, that is more than dependent just on me and should be a consolation in some ways. Yeah, it's, it's, it's being yoked to, to Christ um, through the Psalms because we talk about imitating Christ and Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ and we're supposed to imitate Christ. And so you read the gospels and we learn how to imitate him. And as best we can, we ask for the grace to do this sort of thing. But it's, a, it's an imitation. The Psalms ask or give us an imitation of Christ in his words. I mean, Christ, as Father Jacob Bergen mentioned, uh, praised the Psalms, of course, would have praised the Psalms. And of course, in the most important times, like on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, right? Right before the Psalm of the Good Shepherd, the people know. He's, these words are his words that he takes and uses. And we are offered in the Psalms these words to influence our own thoughts, to imitate not just the actions of Christ and the affections of Christ as best we can, but to imitate his very words, since as human beings, we're, we're wordy creatures, like we think in language, so, so majority of the time. And these words train the mind. And it's interesting that the, when you pray the Psalms uh, and let these words influence and, 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 and you imitate them in your own mind, you kind of, you, you learn to say them, just like you learn to say any prayer, you'll find you start to, they start to like become your own. You start to own them. Just like certain prayers that you might've said all the time uh, become something that you feel like it's your prayer. It's now, it's not just St. Ambrose's prayer, but yours as well. Uh, and the Psalms do this as well. And I've, I'm sure Father Jacob Bertrand has experience, but there are certain times where I, I use words of the Psalms to describe situations. You know, I'm compassed about, compassed about like bees or something. Um, there's certain phrases that just stick out or one, one in, in, in need or in, in, uh, in sorrow or anguish. I go to the penitential Psalms and those words there express how I feel towards God and myself and the world better than I could come up with my own in my own tongue. But it's, it's interesting because it gives us also a new way of looking at the Psalms because in the mass, the Psalm is that if you don't know, um, it's that it's the reading right between the Old Testament and the second reading that no one pays attention to. And it's like the second reading that people don't pay attention to from Paul usually except that it's punctuated by someone screaming at you that then you have to respond to, right? So that's generally most people's experience of the Psalms is the responsorial Psalm where you're trying to remember what you're supposed to say if you can't find the bulletin or what have you. And you're not even sure what the cantor has just said anyway. And then it's like, you're not really, but the bravery is we're not listening to it. We're actually praying those words and they're influencing us. So one recommendation um, in with the Psalms and kind of get into the bravery mindset is during mass, um, to kind of, in your own way, pray those words. That responsorial psalm isn't just like the timeout pause before some real stuff. That's 
like the prayer response to the first reading that God has given us. So to actively engage in that in a way that you don't actively engage, you should, let's put it this way, you should actively engage in the response to a psalm in a different way than you do in the second reading or the first reading. Right. And I think, I think that's a great um, sort of entree into this, into these sort of ideas of how well, okay, so we've talked about the breviary, the, the setting up of the day through the hours, um, these kind of prayers, these prayers that are, are a participation in the church's liturgy and the fullness of the church's liturgy, because um, these, these are prayers, the Psalms, but they're also the prayers that Christ prayed and how the church directs us in this. So certainly we have the responsorial Psalm at mass, but the breviary and, and praying that, that what it is now, the, as we pray the four week Psalter of those Psalms is a way to sort of bring more, um, I don't know, life to the fullness of our liturgical worship. So um, how, I guess, does one pick up the breviary? That's, or pick up praying the liturgy of the hours. Um, mm -hmm. That that's kind of I you know I think we have to admit that's a tough a tough task I I never prayed the the breviary or I tried to pray the breviary before entering the order and in the order around um, you know that my formators and the novitiate who were teaching us how to pray and even amongst the brothers and then praying it it took me a good handful of weeks even before getting to Advent when things change again to get used to the breviary so I think it would be a bit um, a, a bit probably foolhardy to just say, I'm going to pick up the breviary and I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dive right in and pray everything. I think in the spiritual life, it's always good to start by taking, you know, smaller steps and building up and becoming more accustomed. But there are some great helps to, to learning to pray the breviary or in what I think is important here is developing that habit of, of that sort of prayer throughout the days. So I'll, I'll list two of them. And then I don't know if Father Bonaventure has a couple tips, but I'll list two anyways. The first, um, would be taking the the abbreviate, abbreviated liturgical prayer, morning and evening prayer from something like Magnificat, the little monthly missalette. In Magnificat, where the where the mass readings are for every day, every day they also have an abbreviated form of morning and evening prayer. So there's just one psalm, there's a hymn, one psalm, a reading, intercessions. So it's just a boiled down version of the full breviary to help sort of sanctify the day of course but then kind of develop that rhythm of entering into that prayer the second thing is is there's a great app called app called ibrevery that uh basically you just download the day of prayers and they're all there so you don't have to worry about fitting through um getting through turning pages and these sorts of things they're right there so those would be perhaps two places to look to sort of um have some easy aids and kind of picking this up I don't know if you have any tips, but. Well, I think that uh, a tip would be, I think you're absolutely right, Father Jacob Bertrand, is to start small. Like maybe, you know, just pick an office. Pick, say, I'm going to pray. So if you have an app, I breviary, or if you have a Magnificat or something, just say, I'm going to pray morning prayer. Uh, I, I have that day, um, I have my coffee or something, or after breakfast, I want to do some prayer. Uh, but I want to join in. I think this important part is there's the people in the church all throughout the world praying these prayers. And in a sense, by praying, you're just you're joining in that chorus of worship and praise uh, to God and just pick a time where you can like pop into it. Like just like if there's adoration at some church or something, you know, a perpetual adoration, you just pop in for a certain period of time. But just see yourself as popping in for five minutes is usually what five to seven minutes is usually what these kind of small abbreviated ones take. And just say, yeah, I pr I'm gonna put, I'll pray morning prayer each day this week and see how that goes. Or you might say, yeah, evening prayer is nice. I'd like to end my day after work or something by just offering evening prayer and thinking about this. Or before bed, you know, Compline or something, or night prayer as it's called, and the ibrevery. So to pick one of these, I wouldn't pick opposite readings. Pick one of these, um, either morning prayer, 
evening prayer or Compline and just do like, just pop in with your friendly monks and religious and, and, uh, and sisters and nuns and pray the office, join in their chorus for a little bit, but yeah, start, start small, you know, just give it a, give it a try and add it to what you already have in your prayer routine or have it as a piece of, of your prayer routine and be formed, really be formed by these words. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's spot on what you just said to be formed by that. We enter, you know, we enter worship and we entered the church's liturgy, not to manipulate or control it or sort of dictate to the church, how things ought to be done, but to be formed, to be receive our Lord's grace and be transformed by that. Um, but that does require our sort of, um, are, are returning and returning and returning and remaining faithful and persevering in that. And the, the bravery and, and, sanctifying the day or part of the day by this, uh, by, by adopting this, the, the prayers of the breviary, the Psalms, the word, the prayers that Christ himself prayed, um, is a way to do that is a way to be formed by the mind, by the spirit, by the, by the season of the church. Um, and, but also to, as we've already said, to enter into something that is, that is a continual praise of God, a continual worship of God, and a continual intercession for our salvation. Uh, there's, there's a real beauty to that, and I think something that kind of takes us outside of ourselves and kind of moves us and orients us to the cross and to having the cross before us throughout the, throughout the entire day. Any final thoughts, Father Bonaventure? Oh, yeah, he was just it, going it, for one. I'm, I'm just going to go for one. Um, it's It gives a rhythm uh, to life that's not dictated by the secular world or my own particular spontaneous desires, but that there's a rhythm by these things when you start praying this, and if you pray one office only consistently, certain psalms just keep coming up and you know when they are, and it's it's kind of like a fixed base. And it's nice in a world where everything seems to be going crazy and we can't make sense of things around us and to have something that is solid, that is universal, that is something we will come back to and come back, comes back to us. So it's, there's a benefit to that that you don't see initially, but after a little while of praying it, it's, it, it's a, just a natural rhythm, a habit, disposition to being open to the Lord in particular ways with particular words of his. All right. Well, with that, uh, we we hope that in some way this was a bit informative, perhaps a bit inspiring to take up uh, a new way of praying and praising and worshiping our God. Um, certainly, if this episode was helpful for you, uh, please like it. Please share it with those you might think would find it helpful too. Um, and of course, you know, when we are in and out of the chapel throughout our day, praying the divine office, we are praying for you and remembering you and our intentions. Um, so thank you for tuning in. Thanks for your support. And, and until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planet, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.